Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is April 17th, 2019. I'm Shannon and I'm here with Stacy. And today is a very, very special day in Book Bistro Land because as we are recording this, Stacy and I have just finished our very first author interview. It's a momentous day, everyone. <laughs> it is. It is. So you will be hearing that interview in just a little bit. We interviewed um, USA Today bestselling author Chanel Clayton, author of When We Left Cuba and Next Year in Havana, along with a few other notable titles. So we will chat with you um, about her Cuban books after you hear the interview. But before we dive into the interview, I have the usual housekeeping information. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can like and or follow the page. You can also join our Facebook listener group where you can interact with us as well as with other podcast listeners. We would certainly love to have you there. If you want to get a hold of us for any reason, if you have questions, comments, suggestions, um, if you would like us to recommend a book for you, or maybe you have a book that you are just dying for other people to read so you can talk about it, um, definitely feel free to send us a message either on Facebook or you can drop us an email. And that address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So author interviews. This was the first of three that we have coming up over the next month or so. Um, this is, as I said, Chanel Clayton. And it was very exciting to do our first interview. Um, I will admit I was a little nervous. I've never actually spoken to an author before. I don't know if a little nervous quite describes the state I was in talking to <laughs> someone who wrote such a beautiful book. I, I lost all my words, so I'm glad I can make up for it um, yes. here. <laughs> yes. So we will um, play the interview now, and then Stacy and I will come back and chat with you a bit about um, when we left Cuba, and I might also say a few things about next year in Havana, which I've also read. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as we enjoyed conducting it. We are here today with USA Today best-selling author Chanel Clayton, whose latest novel, When We Left Cuba, came out on April 9th of this year. And we are very, very excited to be chatting with her today. So Chanel, welcome to Book Bistro. We are delighted to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So could you start by giving our readers a brief introduction to When We Left Cuba? Of course. So When We Left Cuba is the uh, second book in my Prez family world. And these books were really inspired by some of my family's experiences. Uh, my father and my grandparents left Cuba in 1967 after the Cuban Revolution. 
And I really grew up on their stories of Cuba. And the first book next year in Havana, I told a multi-generational story um, of a grandmother in 1958 who was living in this country on the precipice of revolution and then of her granddaughter in 2017 going back to Cuba to spread her grandmother's ashes and really a story about exile and the legacy that's passed down from us through the generations. And when I was working on that book, I was really struck by one of the characters, uh, Beatrice Perez. She was one of the heroine's sisters. And as soon as I introduced her character on the page in Next Year in Havana, I knew I had to tell her story. So I actually stopped writing Next Year in Havana so I could write the first chapter of When We Left Cuba. <laughs> and I, it was just one of those things where, you know, her voice was so strong in my head and I saw her so vividly and I really just had to get the words out. And so I wrote the chapter and I went back to writing Next Year in Havana. And then as soon as I finished that book, jumped right into When We Left Cuba and I wouldn't say it's a sequel. It's more of a companion novel because you don't need to read the first one. And it's very much Beatrice's story. But it's set in the early 1960s um, when the Prez family has come to the United States and really covers some of the tumultuous events of that era, the Bay of Pigs, the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Kennedy assassination. And my heroine Beatrice becomes involved in one of the many CIA plots to assassinate Fidel Castro um, as she tries to avenge some of the losses that her family suffered during the revolution. Well, I have to tell you, as someone um, who typically reads um, and enjoys the romantic elements of the story, I was very pleasantly overjoyed to discover that my favorite thing actually about um, when we left Cuba was Beatrice and just her self-exploration and just the the kind of the journey that she goes on. She was so compelling to me and just her beliefs and how independent she wanted to be. And I just, I found her to be such a strong and relatable character. Um, was she, you know, you just said that she was kind of came from right away was a very strong voice in your head. Is she based on anybody specifically or how did you I get her? Sure. I I would say she's sorry. (laughs) Um, I would say she's very uniquely her own character. Um, But at the same time, you know, there were definitely some familiarities about her to sort of the Cuban woman I saw growing up. My grandmother was a very forceful presence. And I was definitely inspired by um, a lot of her personality. So while Beatrice was at times a very mysterious character to write, she also felt uh, very familiar. Yeah, I really, I don't know. I, like I said, usually for me, it's more about like, oh, is there going to be a romance in the book? And I was so excited by Beatrice and her story. I just, I, that was the best part for me, just reading about her and her whole journey. So she really um, was an exceptional heroine. Yeah, very strong. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. And and talking of, you know, speaking of family, the Perez family is really special. I just think the way that um, I, I love um, you know, there's there's several passages in the book that refer to how the sisters have this code with each other, that no matter what's going on, they're always sisters. And I, I really loved that. Um, I'm a twin. So, of course, all the things with um, Beatrice and Alejandro really resonated with me. Um, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, with this family, again, is this based on um, the experiences that you have from your own family or they're just so compelling? Oh, well, thank you. Um, the the family's pretty fictional in the sense that, you know, I really wanted to be respectful of, of everyone else's experiences and not take any stories and, and put them in the book that, that weren't mine. 
or weren't my immediate families. Um, and also, I think sometimes real life does not always translate as well to fiction. <laughs> right. So I definitely, definitely enjoyed um, fictionalizing the characters. But I was able to put in a lot of um, hallmarks or things that were special to my family or incorporate some family stories um, from my, my father and my grandparents. Uh, my father and my grandfather read the book. And so it was really wonderful to have their input. Well, they read both books and, and helped out. But my grandmother did come from a large family. And I'm an only child. And so I was really kind of always awed by her relationship with her sisters and how much strength she drew from them. And I really wanted to capture and celebrate uh, those relationships. So let's talk about your overall body of work, just kind of more in general. Um, A lot of people have different ideas about what it is that you actually write. Like some people classify your work as romance. Mm -hmm. I've seen other people call it historical fiction. Um, I think I've even seen some people refer to it as women's fiction. What do you call what you write? Like, what do you view it as? Um, so for my, for Next Year in Havana Forward, I, I would consider it historical fiction. Uh, prior to that, I did write contemporary romances. So I think that's probably why I get a lot of um, the romance tag attached to these books as well. And I do think they, they sort of take from many different genres. I mean, I definitely always have a love story in my books. Um, I I have a little bit of suspense, a little bit of mystery, and then obviously the historical element. But overall, I usually just classify them as historical fiction. Perfect. Excellent. I love that. Um, So it seems like you've had a very interesting um, professional path. And so what kind of, um, how did you sort of it to a place where you were writing books? Like, wh- how did that happen for you? Did you always know I, you wanted to write? I didn't. Um, I did have kind of an interesting journey. I've always been a big book lover. I've always been a big reader. I mean, I can't really remember a time in my life when I didn't have a book or, or books weren't very powerful for me. And so there was certainly that element. Um, but it wasn't until probably law school that I really realized I wanted to be a writer. Um, To be honest, law school was not a great fit for me. And I just remember um, sitting in the classes thinking this is not really what I want to do or what I feel like is is the best thing for me. And so that's when I just came up with, I was trying to think of things that I was passionate about and what I enjoyed. And I said, well, what if I try writing a book? And so really just um, kind of taught myself. I mean, I don't have, I didn't really take creative writing classes and I don't have a formal academic background in in writing or literature, but just something that I did because I enjoyed. And I was really fortunate that um, right after I graduated law school, I sold my first book and was able to to start doing this as a career. That's amazing. So exciting. (laughs) (laughs) To kind of continue um, along with with questions about that. So so you kind of came to this process or this this, during law school classes, which I kind of love. And I'm just wondering, um, do you have, like every author has a very unique process, but what what is your writing process? You know, I would say that my process really varies by book. Um, Each one kind of always has its unique set of challenges. And so I sort of adapt to that book. Um, Next Year in Havana was a very fast book for me. So I think I started it in maybe July, August of 2016, and I turned it into my editor probably about four months later. Oh, wow. And I think I think that one, because it was such a personal story and it was so closely tied to a lot of what I'd grown up on, I had that foundation that I could just kind of build on. Um, some of my other books that I have coming out in the future are set in different time periods that I'm perhaps, I didn't go into with as much familiarity 
So I've definitely front-loaded the research um, and then gone into the drafting process. Havana and when we left Cuba, I sort of wrote and researched as I needed to, you know, if I came across Mm -hmm. something that I wanted to do sort of a deeper dive into. But it it really, every writing day is kind of different for me. Um, Consistently, I use this program Scrivener to write in because it's really helpful, especially when you're working with different timelines to sort of move the scenes along. And I would say my revision process is probably consistently the most important part of my of my process. I do a lot of different revision passes. I like to look at the book on different formats. So I'll do an electronic revision pass. I'll print out a hard copy and do edits with a pen. And then I usually try to read it on an e-reader as well because I just find that changing up the mediums always shows me something different in the manuscript. Um, And that probably is the most consistent part. However, I get to that part kind of varies from book to book. So how much of, for example, when we left Cuba, did you know in advance? Like when you sat down to write it, how much of the story did you know? So I usually have about the beginning and the end and usually the middle and the how I'm going to get to the end is what I I flush out as I'm working. Um, When I started When We Left Cuba, I had actually already written the first chapter. So when I was working on Next Year in Havana and I introduced Beatrice, you know, I wrote the first chapter of When We Left Cuba because it was so, you know, it was just I needed to get it down. And so when I started with that book, I had that foundation. But then it was really where was the story going to go? And that's where Beatrice surprised me. I mean, I didn't expect for the espionage plot to take up as much of her story as it did. But oh. she was just a character that, that was not content to sit on the sidelines. Oh, um, no. And no. So, yes. <laughs> as, as I did my research um, and really found these wonderful historical events, there's a scene in the book where she's um, meeting with a Soviet colonel. And I, that is actually an event that happened uh, oh, during wow. the Cuban Missile Crisis. And so I love finding these real life moments and, and being able to insert a fictional character into them um, and having it be historically accurate and, and fit the, the spirit of the times. So can we ask you about what you're working on next? Like, will we see more um, of the Perez family or are you going in a different direction now? So, yes, you will definitely see more. Um, Right now, what I'm doing is kind of moving around to different time periods. So you'll see different members of the family and different points in history. So my next book, which I don't have a title yet, but it will be out in the summer of 2020. It is set. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Um, it's it's finished and it's with my editor and edits right now, um, but it's uh, set during nineteen in 1935 during the Labor Day hurricane <gasps> in the Florida Keys. Yes, yes. It's a fascinating um, moment in history. And I have three heroines. One is Beatrice's aunt who comes up from Havana on her honeymoon. And then one is a young woman with kind of a mysterious background who comes down on Henry Flagler's Great Railroad that um, he built. It was kind of known as one of the wonders of the world at the time. Um, And so she comes down to the Keys. And then the third heroine's a native of the Keys. And their lives really intersect and kind of crisscross in this tumultuous weekend when the hurricane's bearing down on them. And it's an interesting time period, too, because there were a lot of World War I veterans who were sent down there to work on the railroad kind of to keep from causing trouble in Washington, D.C., because they'd been protesting the government, not giving them the money they were owed. And so sadly, they were sort of sent down there kind of out of sight, out of mind. And then when the storm hits, they weren't evacuated properly and, and didn't receive the care that they should have. 
So it's it's a very kind of heartbreaking moment in history, but also really interesting with a lot of different um, influences going on. So I've, I've really enjoyed working on that one. And then I've just started drafting my 2021 book, which is a Gilded Age uh, Spanish American oh, War. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, it's it's such a lush time period, and the yeah. characters are so larger than life. Um, and it's the first time I've actually tackled a real life heroine. Um, one of the characters is sort of a Cuban Joan of Arc. Her name was Evangelina Cisneros, and she was a real life oh. figure who was involved um, in the fight for independence against Spain and sort of became the celebrity in New York circles. Um, Hearst and Pulitzer had their kind of infamous newspaper wars going on and she became kind of the poster child for that. So the book's going to be called The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba, which was the moniker that the New York papers gave her. And that one should be out around 2021. I am so excited for these. Oh, I like watch oh, them right thank now. You. <laughs> Waiting thank will you. be painful for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I I am not a, a patient um, book waiting person, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> so before we um, let you dash off to your next interview, I'm just wondering what kind of things do you read in your spare time? Are you much of a reader? Oh, I'm I'm a huge reader. I probably read about 150 books a year. Um, oh. It's a huge, a huge part of my life. Um, and and I read a lot of different genres. I really like to kind of mix it up. I think as a writer, I learn a lot from other authors and from other genres. You know, to kind of influence my own writing. Um, one book that I recently read and I really loved was A Place for Us by Fatima Farhan Mirza. And that book was just absolutely stunning. It's this gorgeous um, family saga about this Indian American Muslim family in the United States. And her prose is just so, so breathtaking. So it was an emotional book. And I definitely think one that I recommend to to everyone now because I loved it so much. I actually own that. I need to um, sit down with it because I've heard great things about it. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Book Bistro. It is fantastic to get to chat with you and learn a little bit more about how this book um, came into being for you. And if you have any other kind of like last minute um, things that you want readers to know, I want to invite you to um, let us in on those now. Oh, well, thank you. No, I I really appreciate you having me today. This was absolutely wonderful. And thank you so much. And would you mind letting readers know kind of how they can find out more about you and your books? Like, do you have social media links? Sure. um... Yes. So my website is www.chanelcleeton.com. And I'm also really active on Instagram and on my Facebook page and and Twitter. So I I love talking to readers. It's kind of one of the best parts of the job. So thank you. (laughs) Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we will definitely be looking forward to these next two releases. Um, I will be kind of eyeing... uh, Goodreads and, and NetGalley covetously for the next oh. <laughs> And good luck with, with your writing. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye. 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 That was a fantastic interview. I kept like checking the time. I'm like, okay, I don't want to make her late for her next interview, but I want to make sure that we you know, ask like all of the, the key questions. Um, I'm very excited for those next two books that she talked about, especially the 2021 
Seeing like, oh, I know. Joan of Arc. Actually, I'm excited for that. I love the, the 1930s era books. I find it to be such a fascinating era. It is. Um, it so is. I just, it's going to be painful now to count down to the, the release of her summer 2020 book. But yeah, you know, I have to say. One year beyond that. <laughs> I know, 21. but I have to say one thing that's really exciting to me is that out of this whole experience and because of Book Bistro and because of this upcoming interview, I discovered a new author and I, I love when I find somebody where the, the, her, her writing speaks to me and, you know, kind of touches me on a like a more visceral level. And I just the way that she was able to convey the experiences of her heroine in this book was really special to me. And so, you know, I think being able to share books that we love with all of you is really exciting. But then for us to discover new authors that will become our auto buy you know, yes. at least for me, I mean, it's just, it's very exciting. So I have to actually admit to you that I have to go back and, and read now. Um, last year in Havana, I haven't read that yet. But now that I've read When We Left Cuba, I'm really, really excited to um, go back and learn more about the Perez family. So, um, well, and next year in Havana is sort of a thematic, I think, favorite here because it's a dual timeline novel. Oh, yes. Um, and so I was a little bit, I was kind of surprised that When We Left Cuba was not written like in that same style. Obviously, now that I've read it, I can see like why it's not. Um, you know, we flash forward some into Beatrice's life, but not like in the same way that we would in a true like dual timeline. Um, but I going into it, I was sort of expecting like, okay, you know, we'll have a, a heroine in the past and then a heroine in the present um, kind of, you know, moving the, the past story forward. But that wasn't how it was at all. And as much as I love dual timeline novels, I'm really glad that Beatrice got to be like the central focus <laughs> She had all the airtime. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, she did. And and we were talking about um, Beatrice during this uh, during the interview, and I just I don't know if I conveyed like how interesting her character was um, adequately. I mean, I just she was t to be um, you know a socialite essentially in that era of history, um, which is not that long ago, and to have those societal expectations and to have the strength and the confidence to kind of buck those societal expectations to do what she believes is best for her um, and to, to stand up for, you know, her own convictions. I just, she was very, very um, inspiring to read about. I really enjoyed her, her journey. So. And it's interesting when you like compare her to Elisa, who is um, her sister and one of the heroines of last um, next year in Havana. I always get that title wrong. <laughs> um, and Elisa is more of that sort of like conventional heroine of the time. You know, um, their family was very wealthy in Cuba, and she kind of grew up among like all the the glitz and glamour of that of that wealth and then they had to leave Cuba and things were very different for her and yet you don't you can't really see Elisa like entering into a plot to assassinate Fidel Castro like that's just <laughs> no <laughs> that's just not something that she's going to do and yet I really was drawn to her story in in a different way from that of Beatrice but it, it was interesting to see her having to discover like what her new normal was and mm -hmm. to 
have to lay to rest everything that she knew in Cuba and decide, okay, this is my life now. And this is how I'm going to move forward. And so it's not sort of the like flashy, you know, like in your face kind of strength that we saw in Beatrice. And yet I imagine that you have to be kind of a a strong person to decide like, this is how you're going to move forward. You're not going to, you know, look back at the past and, and mourn it so much. You're just going to embrace what you have now and make a life for yourself and your family. Um, and so they're very different, but they're, they're both very compelling in yeah. different ways. And yeah. I love that Chanel Clayton was able to bring both of them to life in such a vivid, like meaningful way. And, you know, for me personally, any books that feature sister relationships, those are some of my favorites and just family dynamics in general. So, um, oh man, I'm looking forward to the next book. I, I just want to know what it's called. <laughs> yes, it doesn't have a title yet. Oh, we'll have summer to of 2020. Yeah, a long way summer. away. <laughs> it is. It is. So, yeah, I'm glad that you, um, you know, picked up when we left Cuba and decided to read it for the interview um i think it's amazing can you talk a little bit about like the way that it's not sort of your usual read honestly um the reason if i'm going to be very forthcoming the reason why i i was hesitant to um try this book was because for me personally it's very important for me to typically have um strong romantic elements in the book that i read i mean there can be other you know, things that are more front and center, but I like a good, um, you know, backdrop of romance and that I love that part. And um, it was my understanding that um, even though there may be a bit of romance in this, in this book, I won't spoil it for anyone, that it was certainly far from front and center. Um, And it may not have the story arc that is traditionally something that I need in a romance that I'm reading. And so I kind of, picked it up reluctantly. And, um, as I've said, I feel like I'm kind of being repetitive here, but just the, the character of Beatrice was so compelling on her own. Um, I didn't feel like I needed the romantic elements to make the book interesting to me. Um, and you know, the fact that she made mistakes, she was very human in this book and, you know, just Again, just her journey to figuring out how to be the woman that she felt she needed to be once her world came crumbling down around her. Um, I didn't feel like we needed any romance to make that more interesting. Um, does that, I mean, I liked, I liked the romance elements of it more than I expected um, mm-hmm. by the end. And, and, and honestly, for my romance reading friends, um, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil. I just want to say for me, the ending was so incredibly satisfying that I don't even have words for it and how, how perfectly and gorgeously it sort of fit with the rest of, of who Beatrice is. So if you're, if you're like me and you really usually need strong romantic elements and you're hesitating, don't, because I think you'll be very happy with how Beatrice's journey kind of what we see at, at closer to the end of it. Does that, would yeah, you agree with I'm that? I'm glad that you sort of, you know, like recommended it to people who might be reluctant because I know a lot of people, you know, are like, Oh, I don't know that this is my genre. You know, I don't know that this is going to give me what I want. And I, to, to a lesser extent, 
um, will often, you know, look at a synopsis of a book and say like, oh, I don't know, like maybe I won't enjoy this. Um, for me, I was drawn to the novel because of sort of the the spying elements. Like I'm not a spy thriller person in the sense I'm not of like at all. You know, I don't <laughs> want people like to you know James Bond. Like that that's not a thing I enjoy. But historical spy novels, um, especially featuring like women spies are a thing that I've kind of come to love over the years. And so I was originally drawn to this because of the, you know, her kind of wanting to assassinate Castro. Um, and obviously I knew that she couldn't have done that because Castro <laughs> right. just died like recently. But I was interested to see how the author would pull that off and make it so that you could still like, identify with a character whose mission was not able to be accomplished um, and I don't feel like that's a spoiler since, you <laughs> since know, we history, all know. right. History tells us that Castro lived um, quite a long life. So I loved the, the spy portions, the whole like CIA element. And it was interesting to me when she said that like, she didn't originally plan that to be as big a part of the story as it was, because that was sort of like my hook into it. And I'm not sure that I could envision this story without those elements. Like it seems like everything that she put in to the story was necessary. Like there were no, like no plot points or no arcs that I was like, well, you know, this isn't really necessary. This isn't interesting to me. Like, Oh, I wish you know she would have just taken that part out. Um, I felt like she created something really deep and lush and just like, as, but it wasn't too, to, it was perfection, right? I it mean, was. It was close, yeah. It was. And it wasn't, you know, it was very tightly plotted. So it never had like these draggy, laggy moments where you're like, just get back to the damn story. You know, right. I felt like the whole, everything that happened in the story moved the plot along. Like there were never any dull moments where we're like, why are we reading this? Like, and I really also liked um, learning a little bit about um, an aspect of history that has been something I know very little about. Um, Cuba, um, <laughs> it, I just, I don't think a lot about, um, you know, Cuban history or, or that, that era. And like, you know, all of the historical references that she made were all, I mean, I knew about Bay of Pigs, I knew about the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, but in a very general sense. So I appreciated how she put those elements into the story and wove them in so effortlessly where, you didn't even know you were learning things you didn't know. <laughs> does that make sense, Shannon? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, it, it was just does, really... yes. Because we're not, like, you know, we focus on certain portions of history. Like, when we're in school, you mm -hmm. know, we learn about, like, the Civil War and World War One and World War Two, And a little bit about communism. And we know, you know, kind of the things that surrounded, like, Kennedy's assassination and, like, Bay of Pigs prior to that. But we don't really know kind of the ins and outs of it. And not that this book, like, makes me an expert to any of that, because certainly I'm not. But I feel like I know a little bit more than I did Yeah, going into it. I feel like she made that history kind of digestible to her readers. And it allows us to kind of get a glimpse into that world that, you know, we wouldn't otherwise get you know I don't and maybe this makes me kind of a bad reader but 
I don't read a lot of nonfiction. You know, I don't decide that I want to read a book that really analyzes like what happened in Cuba in the late 50s and early 60s. It's just not something Same. that I enjoy. So when I can get more information by reading a book that I really love, like I feel like that is kind of a double win for me. Like I read a great book, but I also learned something about the world that I didn't already know. Can we talk a little bit about the family dynamics? Yeah. Um, Cause I want to ask you a question um, without being spoilery again, but um, there were some kind of fraught relationships within the family. There were some beautiful relationships. Again, um, I wish I had marked the passage or written it down because I love what she wrote about sibling loyalty and how, you know, no matter what is going on at the end of the day, we are still sisters. You may have differing viewpoints and blah, blah, blah. And I love that because it's how I feel with my sisters. But what I'm wondering, um, just um, the, the one plot point that I have a few questions about um, that I'm not sure if it was explored more in Next Year in Havana that I have not read yet, but um, Beatrice has kind of a fraught relationship with her mother, um, mm-hmm. especially. And do we see that in Next Year in Havana? Is that something that is ever fully um, explored? It's The not- mother's character? No, like we learn a little bit sort of about the beginnings of those like fraught relationships. Like we understand a little bit more about how they came to be. Mm-hmm. But as like the mother as a character, you know, in and of herself, like I don't feel like we ever fully knew her. Um, she has... Which is fine. I didn't like her. So <laughs> No, she was not. She was not the best. Um mm-hmm. You know, we know some of, like, the, the motivation for how she feels and, and why she behaves in some of the, like, less fantastic ways that she chooses to behave. But, no, you don't really get that, like, deep dive into who she is as a person and, like, does she mean some of the, like, terrible things that she says to uh-huh. Beatrice? Um, you know, you don't fully know that. And so you just kind of have to accept that, like, this is how she is and that she will never be fully like in Beatrice's corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's sad, but I think in a lot of ways it's a realistic, yep, I you agree. know, depiction that like not all mothers and daughters, you know, I love my mom a lot, but she and I are not best friends. Um, and I don't think that we ever will be. And that's not anything against either one of us. It's just, you know, how it is. And so I think I like that it showed sort of the good parts of family and like the the close-knit supportive aspects of it. But also that that may not be the same for all members of the family. Of the like family, quite the yep. same way. Yep. Yeah, I just, I don't know. There's just so many things. I feel like we could sit here and talk about this book for a long time and we could um, but then if we did maybe people would decide like they weren't going to read it because I know talked about it and that would I know. be sad <laughs> so I, I don't know I just think it's something that um you know if if you enjoy if you enjoy historical fiction if you enjoy um you know strong characters um I actually I found the romance to be kind of sexy um when all was said were. and done yeah were it was um, not sort of my, like, ideal romance. Like, no. I don't know that I would have, like, chosen it to go that way if, you know, 
if I were in charge of these things. But I did really enjoy like watching that blossom in the ways that it did. Yep. And I just, I enjoyed just how realistic and strong she was about everything. Um, I don't know. But anyway, I, there's just so many things that we could say, but what I would encourage is if you like historical fiction, if you like um, really dynamic character um, depictions, you know, I would just really encourage you to pick up this book. It's, it's, and I'm going to say, I would encourage you to pick up last year in Havana or sorry, next year in Havana as well, even though I haven't read it yet, because if it's anything like the writing in um, when we left Cuba, it's something that, um, should be savored as well. If you are an audio reader, the narrator um, for both of these books is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely pick them up in audio if that's something that you enjoy. Obviously, if it isn't, they're you know perfectly fantastic in print as well. Um, I read a a digital copy of When We Left Cuba, but an audio copy of Next Year in Havana. Um, so they're very, very good in whichever format you choose to read them. But if you're an audio reader, you will not be disappointed by the narration. So I think that about does it for us today. Thanks to Stacy for joining me on this marvelous book bistro venture as we enter into the world of author interviews and of course thanks to Christine for her marvelous editing thanks goes out to Chanel Clayton for being our first author interview here on Book Bistro yay yes (laughs) and of course thank you so much to all of you who listen to the show whether you're a first time listener if you've been listening for a while we appreciate it so much If you enjoyed this episode or the show as a whole, please feel free to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever other platform you use to access the show. Obviously, you can leave us a rating or a review if you didn't enjoy it, but we like to think that you did because we definitely (laughs) enjoy bringing it to you each week. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with more new release information, and we will all be here next Friday for our most anticipated books of May. I thought we were going to do that this week, but then the interview opportunity came. So it will be next week. And we look forward to talking to you about more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.